You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Hey everyone and welcome to Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. This is episode number 194 where we're discussing the Disney Plus launch and a spoiler and non-spoiler review of The Mandalorian Chapter 1. I'm one your host, Tim. I'm Troy. And Sanjay is absent. <laughs> Sanjay's got some real life-changing events going on right now. We'll let him fill you in on that. But he is not plugged into Disney Plus, and he is for sure not plugged into The Mandalorian at this point. So he has chosen to sit this one out. You've got Troy and myself this week talking all things Disney Plus and, of course, The Mandalorian Chapter 1. Episode 1, Chapter 1, Chapter 1 as they're calling it. On Disney Plus, man, it's been a very exciting week. We're finally here. November 12th came and went. Pretty simple signing up. And we got this beautiful show to talk about Mm. towards the end of the episode here. And guys, we're going to be doing both a spoiler and a non-spoiler review of The Mandalorian. So for those of you overseas, for those of you listening in places where you have not yet, unfortunately, gotten Disney Plus, we're going to make sure there's content there for you guys to consume and for you guys to get a good feel for what this show is without giving away any of the major plot points or really spoiling it in any fashion because there's a lot of really great stuff buried in The Mandalorian here. The first episode directed by one Dave Filoni. So we've got some exciting talk to happen. Man, what's going on? It's been a crazy, crazy week. Slow week in nerd, but wild week over on the Disney side of things. Yeah, it's it's been crazy, man. Anticipation has been real, but we're here. We've made it. Um, I was quite worried going into D plus <laughs> because I was like, "What is going on?" I was hollering at you guys to see if you had any insight. And over here, man, nobody knew what was going on with the app, and it was uh, it was crazy. But yo, hats off to Disney; they pulled it off. I think relatively well. I think, but extremely uh, well. yeah. Yeah, we'll get into it, man. But yeah, you're right. It's been a pretty slow week, and I think it's it's probably been due to the fact with Disney Plus release, nobody really wants to do anything at the same time. Nobody no. wants to release trailers or, you know, everything's kind of quiet and letting you know Disney have their week. Yeah, because yeah. you got it. This is probably the largest streaming service direct to consumer launch that we'll likely ever see. Yeah, in this medium, like. I don't, it doesn't matter if it's HBO Max or whatever it is. Nothing's gonna match the magnitude, the size of this launch and i agree with you and we'll get into it i think it went off without too many big hitches yeah and there's a few complaining thrown out on twitter and all that but all in all it's been a fantastic week just consuming disney plus here in the mandalorian but my man like we always do at the top of these shows Mm -hmm. we're gonna get into our weeks in nerd for me it's been slow and there's a change coming i've been teasing a change to the hunt here (laughs) But before we get into that, I got to hear, man, what's going on with you? What did you pick up this week? Yeah, it's it's been quiet on my end. But you know what? It's all been X-Men. It's all nice. coming down to the X-Men. I finally got my hands on that uh, X-Men Marvel Legends three-pack Love Triangle, <laughs> Jim Lee, <laughs> Wolverine with the Bone Claws, Cyclops with a bomber jacket, and Jean Grey in her 90s outfit, man. And uh, it's cool. It's it's great. I'm at the point where I don't know if I'm going to open them. I really want to just because I have pretty much every character already in a, a single card back. 
So I'm probably going to rip them out. The only problem is in my nerd room right now, I'm running out of space. You know, when you start unboxing these things, you really lose some storage space or shelf space pretty fast. Yeah. So I got to probably reconstruct the room a little bit before I pack or unwrap those guys. And to go along with the X-Men, I finally got my hands on um, a pretty hard to find, at least over here, uh, Storm. Part of the uh, that vintage card back kind of wave oh, in the all-white costume. She's been tough. I've seen her online for a pretty penny, but I ran into her at uh, one of our Toys R Uses. Just saw her there in the wild, man. And, you know, that's always the best hunt, you oh. know, is that, that wild hunt. It's so, the, um, the, the heart-dropping, it's, breathtaking. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it really is. Because really, you know what? I go through stacks. I see, okay, Iceman, 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 Wolverine, Cyclops from the X-Factor. But finally getting my hands on that storm was, uh, was good. And, you know, I got to say, no shame in my game again because EB Games – I trade in a whole bunch of games to, to, to build up like that edge card credit yeah. to just put it all towards my pre-order. It felt great only spending like $10 out of pocket cash to buy a three pack for 80 bucks. Oh. So it felt good. You know, I got rid of some games that I really just don't play. And uh, I think that's the way I'm going to do things a lot more often now is I'm starting to trade in more games to, to get up on my figures. So ah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool, man. Good that, week. That's awesome, man. And that's 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 the same feeling I've been getting with the Kijiji hunt, right? Yes. Is I'm trading out things that are buried in bins that I'm not using, and now I'm getting things that I'm I'm proudly displaying. Yes. And at at a just a dime, basically, right? Like no money spent. Best and feeling. that was kind of what my weekend was about here again is not so much doing too big of a hunt on, on Kijiji, but it's really wrapping up a lot of the stuff that I had going on in the background i had four or five different deals on the go but we just had trouble meeting up so i made okay. a point this weekend to wrap most of those up it was some were just direct sales and some were trade-ups to marvel legends from other figures or from build the figures i finally nailed that cap wolf nice that, yes, I've been, that marvel that. legend from the red onslaught wave from uh, quite a few years back it was a figure that I just never picked up. I didn't really have a well-defined cap collection at that time. I chose to pass on that figure, but it's taken me a while to find, even though it was lingering on the pegs for what seemed like years, and then all of a sudden when I wanted it, it disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> so I traded a few Build-A-Figure pieces for this cap, and I didn't actually realize that the vintage cardback cap that came out not too long ago, the $11 ones we were getting from EV Games, yes. it's the exact same figure, just repainted. Yeah, because I think the vintage one actually has the whole what do you call it drawn on the armor, the you scale mail. Yeah, it has it's you drawn on. It. It's not molded on. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. How's the shield? It's the same way. It's the shield where it hooks over the wrist as opposed to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's like a pinch on. But You're I do right. one thing. I do like about this cap. It came with a different handset, and one is the salute, which yes. I really like. The hands together salute, and he's actually there's another one where he's pointing. But I really like posing him up with a salute. It looks really good. Yeah, and it's solid. kind of a unique take because a lot of the other caps don't have that hand, that salute hand, which is, you know, very much the patriotic Captain America that we're used to seeing here. Yeah, man. Dope. Yeah, and the only new find that I had this week was uh, I'm a big sucker for themed, especially holiday-themed Funko Pops. And so I went out and grabbed – I put the other ones on my list, but I had to go grab the Thanos holiday, and he's got death – ugly christmas sweater on <laughs> it's it's brilliant it's got the oh. infinity gauntlet it's a big heavy funko pop and i wow. also unboxed actually started the funko unboxing here we I go yeah i unboxed all of last year's star wars with the exception of the vader all the star wars funko pops damn so i'm pretty excited got the room a little bit more festive here as we prepare yep. for the holiday season 
Got and you. so I've got these guys out, and and that really, that's really it for me. It was a pretty quiet weekend. And you know what, guys? Like, <clears throat> as we're talking about the holidays and that here, and I had teased a little bit. I know there's one person in particular that's very interested about this, and that's our dude grabs. <laughs> <laughs> I've been teasing a change to the hunt. The hunt, especially for me here, I uh, I've made a decision. We made a decision here as a, as a group that we've been wanting to do something a little different especially coming in, into the holidays here. You know, there's lots of people out there that are a lot less fortunate than us. There's people there that just can't afford to get the toys and that for their children for the holidays. And we want to contribute and give back to that. So what we're doing this year and what I'm committing here is for the next month, so from November 15th to December 15th, my hunt is done. All the funds that I would usually be contributing to the hunt are going directly into a pot and myself, Troy, Sanjay and Carlos are going to take and all contribute in some fashion, some cash to a pot. And we're going to go do a children's charity toy hunt. Where we're going to go as a group with our kids. Probably we're going to take the money that we collect and we're going to spend that. We're going to do a little bit of a hunt. And then that all is going to go to a yet to be determined children's charity. So donating a whole bunch of nerdy toys to children. So that's where the hunt, that's the change in the hunt this year is that I'm taking a break and I know Troy and Sanjay and Carlos have all committed to, to donating some sort of funds to this so that we can all go out and give back, give to children and do something a little different here in the nerd room, kind of staying on brand, staying on theme, but actually doing something good. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. This is something that we try to do as a family every year is make sure that we're going out. My daughter's actually already asked about it. Wow. And I want to do a little more this year. So if you guys want to be involved in this, we're not going to ask for cash or anything like that. But I am going to set up a, an Amazon link where if you want to send a toy to us that we can donate, you guys can very much do that. We're not asking you guys to contribute in any other way. We're just wanting to, to do something and give back here. You know, it makes me feel good that we could be contributing to a young child getting a Star Wars toy or a DC toy or a Marvel toy, whatever. I think it's really important that we, we do help and give back in that fashion. So that's what the hunt is going to look like for the next month for myself and for the boys here. We're going to have, uh, we're gonna have a good time with this and, and give back to the community. Yeah, man, it's going down. The hunt is real. Spread that love, man. This is exactly, great. Exactly, exactly. So look out for that. That will be dropping. You'll see that on our website and Instagram and Twitter and all that on the 15th. So that's on the Friday, the day after this episode drops. We'll be dropping that with some graphics and all that and putting you at the Amazon link if you do want to contribute. Again, um, there's no need to, but if you want to do that or if you want to, I think maybe even better, locally, just take some pictures and send us, tag us in them of you going and doing the same thing, going out and donating toys to a local children's charity. Uh, take some pictures, tag us in that. We'll get that up on Instagram, on a website, on the Twitter account. And maybe we can make this a bit more of a, of a global hunt here where we're all donating locally toys to children and all that. So, yeah, it's it's kind of an evolving thing, but it's something that we know we want to do. And uh, and for sure, just make sure to get out there and, and kind of give back this this holiday season. Sounds good. Make it be an annual thing? Yes, I think so. I think it's a must. Yeah, yeah the annual children's charity toy hunt. Mm -hmm. It's going down for the next month or so. Now, moving on to one other house cleaning bit here. We talked last week about another charity, and that was the charity that our good friend Rob Williams over at the Generation X-Wing podcast and at a rim rookie was running. He was selling 
special collector coins and all the proceeds were going to the BC Children's Hospital Fund. And this is all through the 501st Infantry and all that. So make sure you go check him out. I'll link everything down below in the show notes. But we got two coins here. And we said last week, anyone that retweeted and liked or liked the Instagram cover art for episode 193 would be entered into a draw. And I have done that draw here off air. And the winner of the coin is Chris Coelho. Chris Coelho, I think I'm saying that right, at Chris Coelho TV on Twitter. He's, he's been out there. He's been supporting us for a little while now. And you are now the owner of an exclusive mint Ooh. coin coming from Generation X Wing and the Edirim Rookie. And that will also be going to support a children's charity. So if you're listening, man, just DM me, give me your address, and we'll get that off to you. ASAP. Congratulations on that. And make sure, guys, to go over and support Rob Williams there. Um, like I said, everything will be linked down in the show notes. Nice, nice. Good on you, Chris. Congratulations, man. Yes, we are there. All right, man. Let's move on to the news here. And this is, like I said, going to be primarily a Disney Plus focused episode. We have actually a really great question from Grabs here, but we're going to save that until Sanjay and or Carlos are back. I think this is better. Um, it's really going at the understanding and kind of leaping off from the discussion that we had last week about characters defining moments in films that really made us jump and say, that is the character. I understand them now. So I think that discussion is probably more holistically better with three of us at the table. So we're going to save that. We're going to park that for now, but we're going to move on to just really Disney plus man. So the launch happened November 12th. Like we said, we've been debating online, discussing, I've been tweeting at everyone trying to figure out how Disney plus was actually going to go down here in Canada. How are we going to access to it? The states have had access to a pre-order for about a month now, and we got zero word from anyone when this was happening. We just knew that it was coming on December or November 12th. And lo and behold, November 12th rolled up. I rolled over in the morning at about 5 in the morning, opened up the Apple App Store, boom, Disney Plus, downloaded, paid the $89.99, the the year-long subscription. Boom, I had Disney Plus. That easy. I never had any issue with crashing or trying to find the app or anything like that. It was extremely straightforward for me. What did you? Did, what was your experience like, man? Did you have any of the kind of the rockier experiences that some others were were discussing? Not at all. It's pretty smooth. Actually, smoother than I anticipated. When I uh, got up, I think it was pretty early, four thirty in the morning. <laughs> I woke up um, right away, hit Twitter, and then I got a little ad that Disney Plus is now available. Clicked the link, went to the sign up, and. Um, Boom, put in my credit card information that I will not share on this podcast. <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, it just it just popped up instantly. It was awesome. And the first thing I did is I made up my little account. I, I had my little Spider-Man avatar going on, of course. And I went to the Marvel group and watched uh, the first season of Spider-Man, the Fox animated series. Nice. But the only hiccup I came across is when you click on the seasons, much like you do with Netflix, um, it was just loading constantly yeah. i know there's obviously more than one season for spider-man but this was like 4 30 in the morning so the app is like extremely new at the point so at the time very forgivable apart from that i never really had any other issues i downloaded uh two of the documentaries from the marvel group yeah. there um the avengers and watched that um i didn't watch it on the road i watched it at work 
So I listened to it. I was listening to it while I was driving. And uh, hey, it, it was fantastic. I, I think the app's great, you know, for downloading the content. Because you can download everything. I believe with Netflix, you can only download certain videos. Yeah, that, that's right? correct. And the only thing that you can't download is The Mandalorian. Um, okay, I so didn't I'm, notice that. I'm okay. guessing it's the new serialized content that you can't download. But like, okay. you can download Star Wars, Endgame, whatever onto yeah. your mobile device, which is incredible. <laughs> It, it, it's so cool. You know, I what I really love about the app, it's it's just these little things. But, you know, for the fact when you go to the Star Wars page, you will get like Vader's uh, collection. Yeah. You go to the, the Marvel page, you'll get like Spider-Man, the Spider-Verse. Yes, Spider-Verse. I think, yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> so cool. Absolutely. Yeah, they got me. They got my money. Yeah, yeah. they do. The layout is, is really like economic i think you go to yeah. it it's there's different pages for yeah the, the big content providers even when you hover over the marvel you get like the marvel banner thing playing in the background yeah yeah it, it's it's really really well done i just say my only my only issues i didn't see any issues or i didn't have any personal issues with the loading and all that and to me like you said i think it's completely forgivable yeah, and and Disney actually put out a statement on this because quite a few people were online complaining about the delays or the unavailability of it, and they said it exceeded their highest expectations. Wow! Which, in my opinion, and I said this on Twitter, were probably very, very lofty. And yeah. the fact that it exceeded that to the point where they're having server issues yeah. tells me that this is going to be absolutely massive for them. And when I'm thinking like short term here, yeah, maybe we'll have a few hiccups here and there. But long term, all this means is that Disney is going to double down on Disney Plus and is going to continue to give us more original content, spend more 100%. money here. Because that's the big, the, the big give and take that they've had to make here is that they've pulled everything off Netflix. They've lost billions of dollars in content licensing to places like Netflix yeah. to focus it down onto their own app here. And the fact that they got this type of reception – means that yeah of course like this is going to be huge and we want more content more original content and i think that we're going to get it so i think that's a good thing that we exceeded maybe broke the system a little bit yeah but overall yeah i think it is it, it was a great day my daughter loves it the content there's yeah. literally anything you can think of they held back a few of the the marvel films which is fine already own most of them but going yeah. back through and everything from like the sandlot to fucking oh, little yeah. mermaid they took yeah. a ton of the disney stuff out of the vaults which is incredible yeah um, goof troop man they got goof troop darkwing duck yeah ah, it's, it's nuts ah. it's nuts the only Crazy. thing actually the only minor nit personal nitpick that i had is that we have an apple tv which we we're using to kind of portal through there and the one we had was too old for the app <laughs> really how does that work no way. I guess it only works with version, you know, whatever, four or five above. Yeah, so yeah. we actually went out and bought another Apple TV. Yeah. So $200 later on that one, <laughs> uh, on the 4K one, and yeah. we had the app. So what we were doing in the morning was just uh, shadowing it from our phones. Um, yeah. But that gets a bit annoying. And sure. we kind of made a decision and said, uh, you know, we're going to watch this all the time. Yeah. And we're going to need a way to get into it. I don't have a PlayStation. I don't have a Samsung smart TV that's up to date enough. Mm -hmm. So that would be the only thing is, and I know a few other people had issues trying to find it on, on the Samsung TV, uh, the smart TV here locally. I know that TELUS, which is a provider here, yeah. similar to Scott, they don't have the app. And I tweeted them. I said, why don't you have the app? Yeah. And they said, Oh, we don't have a partnership with Disney, but DM us and we can talk more. So I talked with TELUS, their support, through Twitter DM, 
And I said, look, this is the biggest global launch of a streaming service maybe ever. How do you guys not have a partnership with them? Like they have Netflix and YouTube apps and all that. And they said, oh, can just submit it to our, our ideas box. Like what? Why does that need to be submitted to your ideas box? (laughs) That blows my mind. Yeah. It was a little odd there that we couldn't portal in through the TELUS, um, through a local, I guess, cable or whatever provider. Um, and was it just uh, was it just the Samsung smart TVs that had issues or? Yeah, I was talking to a friend and he yeah. called me and said, I don't have. He says, where do I find this? He says, I know you usually know the answer to these questions. And I yeah. said, I don't know, because all he read was that it was Samsung smart TVs in the States. So oh. I don't know if it's a Canada thing. Right. I don't know how you yeah. discriminate that on a TV. Um, Weird. Yeah, but- my LG, because like, right away I, I put, I think I got the app on my phone first. And then, yeah, I went upstairs and I have an LG and it had um, in the corner, it had like the Mandalorian. I was like, oh, boom, clicked on that guy and it brought me right to the page. I had to update it for a second. Yeah. So I got it on my TV and then I got it on the PlayStation. But I'm running into the problem because in the other room, our, 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 my, my wife's room, my wife's room, <laughs> the room we share, <laughs> sometimes I'm on the couch. No, the roof that we, the roof, the house that we share, the room that we share is what I'm trying to say. Um, the TV doesn't have a PlayStation, and we don't have a Roku or or the uh, the Apple um, TV. Apple there. I, Apple TV. Yeah, it's just called yeah. Apple TV. Yeah. yeah. So we don't have that. So I was like, okay, well, Telus must be the only option. But then I saw your tweet, and they don't offer it. So it's so crazy to me because you know we can watch Netflix, we can watch YouTube mm-hmm. on all through Telus, but we can't access. Um, we can even get Crave TV and yeah. HBO, but we can't access the um, Disney. So I thought that's kind of weird. Yeah, it's a big mess. Yeah. You know, I when we switched over, because we just switched providers, the guy told me that you're going to be able to get Disney Plus through. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, And it no. wasn't a deciding factor, but it definitely weighed into that decision that yeah. I thought it'd be. And it does, at this point, it doesn't matter. We had to spend the $200, which kind of sucks, because we mm-hmm. had just spent 90 on <laughs> Disney Plus. So it was kind of right. an expensive day. Yeah. But all in all, when I look at the content that we're getting and, you know, the accessibility of a lot of the Disney stuff that is really hard to get. And my daughter's at that prime age right now. Yeah. That, you know, the Disney princesses are a big thing. And even getting into some of the older kind of not quite tween, but like, I guess she's not that old, but kind of like the more family, it takes two type of like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It takes two, I don't know if that's a good example, but anyways, just some of those younger kind of Disney, wonderful world of Disney type of films. Of course. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really enjoying this thing. And the fact that we now have star Wars, all the films digitally and able to download. Yeah. I've never owned them digitally except for the new ones that came with digital codes. Right. Um, because they did release, I guess the 4k releases that just came out did come with digital codes because you got the revenge of the Sith, correct? That's right. Yeah. But I've never had these digitally when my whole collection of Marvel films and everything, I try to get a lot of it digitally. Now, a lot of that's kind of moot because it's yeah. all on disney plus now <laughs> but uh nonetheless it mm-hmm. uh it's really gonna put a uh a dent into sunjay's digicode game for me oh yeah <laughs> shoot sorry sunny yeah so yeah disney plus overall i think a very successful launch and the content's great and we're gonna get into some of that specific content right now and one of the things that we just have to briefly touch on here man uh, we talked a little bit about this before the podcast, and you didn't check it out. The only reason I checked it out because I saw it online. But <laughs> there's a, a new version of A New Hope now loaded to Disney+. 
And the infamous Greedo Han scene, who shot first? Han shot first, Greedo shot first, whatever, that's been tweaked so many times by the creator himself, George Lucas, has been tweaked one more time. <laughs> it appears now that Greedo shouts some obscenity, McClunky or something like that, <laughs> before him and Han shoot at relatively the same time. And Han does that little dodge. And, yeah. You know, you know how things are going there. But interesting. And, you know, Disney basically threw their hands up and said, George did that before. For the sale, so that's that's George's last tweak to Star Wars. Um, that's crazy. So yeah, I thought that was that was kind of funny seeing that. <laughs> so is that something they they had a plan from the jump then about Disney Plus already being out? Like, is this something they had planned for like their digital release that George would do this tweak or really this, odd? Apparently, it was done before the sale of Disney, not before the Disney Plus launch. Oh, like, okay. When he delivered, I guess the f- cuts of films. Mm-hmm. to disney that was the latest cut wow so it was another tweak that he had done i don't know if it shows up on the 4k releases i don't think so because i'm sure we would have heard about that already yeah <clears throat> so i'm not i'm not too sure it's kind of funny because i even went in and watched it because I, was, I don't know if this is real i don't know if people are just making this up if this is a weird fan edit just to get everyone riled up <laughs> but it's in there i went and watched it it is uh-huh. in there on the disney plus cut i gotta check that now <laughs> <laughs> it's quite funny. <laughs> now, um, one of the things, and you've already touched on this, man, is uh, the Marvel content. It's absolutely fantastic in there. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get a lot more of the MCU Marvel content coming fall 2020 is when it really kicks off. And then it's but it's quite regular. Every three months, four months or so, we're getting a new six-date episode Marvel show. We have to live without it for quite some time. Now, we talked last week about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier now being in official production. So that is is rolling forward. But we have to wait a while before we get any new Marvel content, with the exception of a few documentaries that were posted on there. Now, there's one called Assembling the Universe, which was an ABC special from a few years ago that really went through, I think, the assembling of Phase 1 and Phase 2 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And then we also got this brand new documentary. It's only 12 minutes long called Expanding the Universe. And guys, this isn't, this. I'm going to say spoiler, I guess, but there's nothing really spoilerific in here. We've detailed everything that we're going to talk about in here on the podcast before, save maybe one or two costumes that are out online. So there's nothing about the plot or anything like that that we're going to talk about here with regard to Expanding the Universe that is going to be a spoiler. So there's not a whole bunch that you're missing with expanding the universe, but it's nice to see some of the stuff that they, they do chronicle in here. And most of it really is footage, unpirated footage at that (laughs) from San Diego comic-con 2019, as well as D 23 when Kevin Feige is up on stage, really detailing what's coming from the MCU from Marvel studios on Disney plus. What did you think about this, this short 12 minute expanding the universe documentary that we have here, really detailing what's coming next for us in Marvel. It's pretty cool. It's really hype, man. You know, um, for me, I was finding out the most probably when I was hearing the uh, the Doctor Strange or not the Doctor Strange, sorry, the She-Hulk. The yes. She-Hulk stuff I thought was fantastic. I still have that logo. Um, when they were diving a little bit more into Loki stuff, I start to get a little more sold on what they're trying to tell mm-hmm. with his backstory and, and humanizing the character a little bit more. I think it's kind of cool. Um, and also the Vision, the Vision and Wanda, Wanda Visions. Yeah. That also got me a little more intrigued from when I initially uh, saw the D23 stuff. So yeah. all around pretty good. I mean, we were pre- kind of in the know, you know, basically already. So it wasn't anything too, too new. No. But um, 
you know, I got to say, it did bring back a little bit more of that MCU hype that died down <laughs> with the rise of Skywalker coming. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's kind uh... of bubbled up again a little bit now. Yeah, yeah, it certainly did. And I think you said this in one of the DMs, all hail Kevin Feige. Yeah, like, what it's coming. It's yeah, and uh, we like I said, we've chronicled this before, but it all looks unbelievable. Yeah. And we got some concept art that we hadn't really seen before officially from Marvel Studios. And most of us focus in around the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We got a, a new Falcon suit. So you guys can actually Google this. Um, it's out there. And the Falcon suit really, really starting to look comic accurate here. Yeah. Um, it's red and white. It's got more of the uh, the neck kind of brace type thing that goes up mm-hmm. around his ears and all that. Um, so looking very interesting there. We got an image of Bucky Barnes. And probably one of the most intriguing things is we've got a good look at U.S. Agent, mm-hmm. um, who that we've who is going to be potentially one of the I'm going to say pseudo antagonists in this film, um, where it appears that the U.S. government isn't accepting the fact that Cap himself, Steve Rogers, handed the shield off to Falcon Sam Wilson, and they've decided to institute their own version of Captain America to take up that mantle, and that's playing by Wyatt Russell. So this is all announced stuff. We got a first good look at what that character is going to look like, which actually looks really cool. Yeah, yeah. The design I love. You know the the star and the A. Yes, I think is is, is awesome looking. Uh, I like the it's the the blue looks cool. It looks still very Captain America like, but it's yes. a nice like mix between like the U.S. agent, but not making it like a blacked out suit. Still yeah. giving you like the Captain America blue. So yeah. um, all around it looks it looks good. This guy looks pretty big too. Yes, pretty he does. Geez. Yeah, yeah. I think it's yeah. going to be fantastic. We have a good look at Baron Zemo. You know, mm-hmm. it was rumored, it was out there that the purple mask is coming on, and we get to see him with the purple mask on, which I'm super excited about. This yeah. this is my most anticipated show outside of the Mandalorian. I think Falcon and the Winter Soldier. This is going to hit, you know, all the marks for me. We also got uh, a few images of from the Hawkeye series. Yeah, which we don't know if it's happening anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a little in the air. Uh, because of, of Jeremy Renner's uh, digressions and yeah. uh, at allegedly, at least for now, eh? allegedly, yes, yeah. um, some of his uh, not so um, <laughs> hero esque type of attitude and yeah. and words and all that. What he's doing, so hopefully he's getting the right help here. So that that that's a bit of a question mark. But we also got a good look into the Marvel Studios What If, the animated feature. Mm. The animation looks gorgeous on this. I love it. The Peggy Carter or yes. Captain Carter. Oh, yeah. give me that right now. Yeah. Wow. It looks fantastic. It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun taking yeah. you know so many liberties as the comics do with the MCU stories, with the returning characters and the voice actors yeah. and doing something a little different here. Um, exploring, tweaking one thing in the universe yeah. and seeing how that cascade, how that butterfly effect works through the mcu so really looking forward to that and it's nice to get that insight you know like we said there's nothing really new here Mm -hmm. but again marvel studios has this tendency to make you never forget this is like we said before this is the longest stretch we're gonna go within an mcu film and then Mm -hmm. it's gonna hit us like a ton of bricks and we're not gonna get much space or much breathing room between either a disney plus release or or a feature film release. So yeah. this is the time to just take a break, guys, because it's the, the, the waterfall, the, the dam is going to break here in the not-too-distant future, <laughs> and we're going to be getting a ton, a ton of content, both on Disney Plus and on the big screen. So very exciting stuff there. And then other than that, it was for me, it was just really perusing around, checking out a few things. Um, I haven't had a chance to check out the Imagineer 
documentary and there's a few other things that I want to watch. I did actually watch one episode of the Jeff Goldblum show. Um, yeah, it's wild, isn't that one? It's kind of a little kind of a little out there. He's yeah, he's a, a oh. freakishly wild but very entertaining <laughs> and extremely refreshing individual. I cool. He is uh <laughs> it's a it's on shoes the episode. It's and oh. he just kind of walks around and just does his Jeff Goldblum-esque stuff talking to some of the greatest shoe designers in the world today and oh. yeah it's, it's kind of a cool it's a unique take on everything so cool. it's it's uh it's interesting to see what uh what they're bringing the kind of the diversity of content even on the serialized stuff that they're doing there is it full episodes or is it like a week by week much like the mandalorian or week you, by you week. binge the whole thing okay yeah it seems that that they've gone the the path of the week by week I like that for all content, basically. That's yeah, good. for I, I all like serialized idea. content. Yeah, which yeah. I think it's cool. It's, it kind of uh, separates itself a little bit from Netflix. And yeah. personally, I feel like I can enjoy this stuff more because yeah. I'm not trying to binge through it. I actually yeah. have watched The Mandalorian three times. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. So I where before nice. I wouldn't, I'd be on episode three or four. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's just it. Yeah, you can really soak it up, enjoy it. It can marinate. Yeah, exactly. Back. Yeah. No, it's yeah, good. It's exactly. Good. And on that note, unless you've got anything else that you checked out that you wanna you wanna discuss, no, yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna yep. progress here, guys, into a discussion on the Mandalorian. Now, before we actually get into the non-spoiler section here, we have a, an email, a listener email here from Duncan. Uh, he coming from the UK here. Uh, his subject reads The Mandalorian. And the message, hey guys, I just wanted to touch base and see what you guys thought about the release of The Mandalorian being so much later in Europe. They have named the date of March 2020, I believe it's March 30th, 2020, for the rollout of Disney Plus over here. So he's from the UK. I tend to find that if I don't get to movies to see the new release as early as possible, and it, then it gets spoiled all over the place, no matter how careful you are. When season seven and eight of Game of Thrones literally aired on the same day in the US and the UK, it was still spoiled all over Instagram before 9 p.m. UK time. And so I had to delete the app the day of the new episode. Wow, that's commitment. Surely all my favorite podcasts, such as yourselves, are going to be spoiling the heck out of it two months before we get it. Surely Disney should have rolled out the Mando episodes on iTunes or Microsoft Live, etc as the episodes are released in real time to reflect this. Do guys such as yourselves and Rebel Source Radio, etc., think that we'll lose listeners over the next few months because of this? Love you guys, Duncan. First of all, Duncan, thank you very much for coming back every week and listening to us. Uh, we really appreciate that. And it's interesting how they're rolling Disney Plus out. It's mm-hmm. not too dissimilar from what we saw with Rebels and some of the other content that has been rolled out both here and in the U.S. here in Canada and not rolled out till a few weeks later in the U.K. And it's unfortunate, and I think a lot of it has to do with just distribution rights, um, how things are rolled out specifically per country, how they're able to construct deals. I'm not too familiar with the ins and outs of it, but one thing I will say about your comment here about us worrying about, about losing listeners, including yourself, I think what this podcast is based around is focusing on the news, the hot news of the week, and then really anchoring a, a segment at the end in something that's a bit more relevant and happening. This week, yes, we are talking about The Mandalorian Chapter 1. We're going to do a spoiler and a non-spoiler section, so those people like yourself can actually tune in, hear our, our initial thoughts, and then have that time to exit out the episode. But what we're doing here, we're not going to be breaking down every single episode in, in super detail. We're going to be keeping the similar format to the podcast that we have for the last 194 episodes now, I guess, where we're talking high-level news, reviews, all these type of things, 
And it's not going to be so Mandalorian focused yet. We're going to probably touch on it or at least talk about it every week in some capacity. But we're going to be very, very conscious of spoilers and not trying to put that out into the world. So you guys can still come back, listen, consume the content, and not have any real fear of getting anything spoiled. Um, I agree. It sucks that you guys aren't going to have this until March, end of March or whatever, which is, you know, months and months away. And we got a lot of friends over in the UK too that are podcasters, you know, Rob Wade, we've got Stubach over there. Yeah. Uh, Daniel, the, all these guys too that, that are listeners and contributors to the source Commonwealth and the show that are going to have to be dodging these spoilers. And we're going to do our absolute best. That is a promise of commitment that we have to not spoiling anything here and also making it so you can come back and listen. So you can enjoy every week, consume Star Wars, Marvel and DC with us. But do that without fear of, of, of getting something spoiled. Because there's a lot of really great stuff in this first uh, episode that I'm happy wasn't spoiled for me. And for so sure. we do our best to not do that. Yeah, no, damn. Uh, Duncan, I feel for you guys, man. Especially, you know, when you think about the history between, like, the UK and uh, and Star Wars. You yes. kind of go hand to hand. So, I mean, you guys are the Imperials. So I don't uh, <laughs> I don't understand why they <laughs> rather treat you guys like this. But I feel for you. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to do our best not to spoil anything. And we're, we're pretty good with our cues. So yeah. we'll let you guys know. But, um, shoot, all the way till March? Man. Yes. That's ah, crazy. That's a bummer. Honestly, I'm not, I'm not promoting it. But Disney has to expect some kind of funny business is going to happen with these these things you know being delayed so much in certain regions across yeah. the globe it's unfortunate but i mean people want their star wars yeah they sure do and you know the yeah. suggestion of going to itunes or microsoft live i i understand the the desire as a fan for that but as yeah. a business model there's no way disney's letting this off of their exclusive platform yeah. this is one of the big hooks yeah for the, this yeah. first sign up of Disney yeah. Plus is this live action Star Wars series. Um, the one benefit that you guys might have is that you get to consume it all at once. They um, can binge it. Yes. That's true. Yeah. So you can get through it there. So, you know, trying to shine a little bit of the bright side of things. I know it's going to be difficult for you guys. And I know there will be people that, that seek other options, I'll say. Yeah. Um, not so legal options <laughs> <laughs> about getting the Mandalorian here, which is unfortunate. Yeah. And we wouldn't encourage. Yeah. But the, that experience, man, it's a, it's, it, it's out there. But yeah, like we said, we're going we're to do our best here, not spoil much. And that really bleeds us into our Mandalorian chapter one, spoiler yes. free. Now, guys, this is our, our spoiler free reactions here. We're going to be talking about plot details. We're going to get very high level thoughts on the aesthetic, giving, you know, some indications as to score and uh, whether we recommend the Mandalorian or not. And I, <laughs> I think that's an inevitability that we are. Uh, we're going to do our best here, and we promise uh, that there will be no spoilers until we put that spoiler tag on here. So Mandalorian Chapter 1, yeah, my dude, you know, yeah, plugging into this last night, mm-hmm. how did it feel, man? First watch through, first consumption of a live-action Star Wars TV show. How was it for you, man? Oh, man, it was cinematic butter <laughs> on the TV screen. <laughs> I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't get over how great this look the cinematography was fantastic um i liked most of the shots i think it had a very strong opener yeah um the first quarter of the episode was was pretty cool 
kind of lulled a little bit for me in the middle, and then got right back up there in in the final uh, bit of the bit of the show. But you know, I, I gotta say, I've been rooting for Dave Filoni for quite some time to uh, direct because this was his directorial debut for live action. I guess coming off of Rebels and Clone Wars and all that stuff, so he hasn't directed anything live action before. And um, I think you could kind of see a little bit of the chip in the armor coming mm-hmm. live action. But I mean, for first time. Uh, I, I think he's going to do some big things in the future, especially working with someone like Favreau. So all around, I thought it was a pretty decent pilot. And man, am I ever invested in this world? And I got to say, it feels very uh, lived in Star Wars Episode Four and that Rogue One feel. It yes. has all that going on. Um, yeah, I mean, we're not really introduced to too many characters, um, like big time characters yet, I don't feel. There's some people missing that we've seen on the roster um, in the marketing, but uh, all around, man, I'm I'm totally in Mandalorian. Yeah, loving it. I hear yeah. you, man. Like the aesthetic is so incredibly pleasing. It yeah. is so Star Wars. Yes. And there's a beautiful mix of CGI and practical in here. It, like you said, cinematic butter. Hashtag yeah. cinematic butter. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, do you know the thing it does too? It's a nice bridge between the OT and the prequels. I find that there's elements of the OT. That yeah. Favreau or yeah, that Favreau really brings in, and there's elements of the prequels that Filoni really brings in here. Yes, um, which is very powerful in making the whole universe feel as one. Exactly. Um, the story and the teases in here, as a first episode, you know, one of the things I always lay down with a comic book or whatever TV show, the first episode has to be the hook. Mm-hmm. It has to make me want to come back. There's nothing that's going to stop me from watching this first episode, but they want to have to make me want to come back. And for Disney Plus, this is a big thing too, right? You want to come back to this. And this show does everything right and yeah. make me want to come back for episode two. It's got this really multi-layered plot that effortlessly weaves together and teases so many different storylines that we're going to get into in the spoiler section. But these are major plot elements from all over the place. But it doesn't do it in a way where it feels like it weighs down the main story. It's all these little subtle things that are going to be explored into season two. Favreau yeah. just tweeted that he's on the set of The Mandalorian season two as we're getting episode one here or chapter one here. Wow. And I'm already seeing into the future, okay, this plot line is going to get picked up <laughs> probably way down the road. But here's the first tease in chapter one. And you know what? I didn't put a ton of time into really theorizing what this show was. Mm-hmm. but it goes deep very fast and yep. it surprised me several times throughout the episode there's a i i just assume that yeah sure it's gonna be that rogue one we're gonna see a few hints there a few hints there we've seen some pictures online we kind of know what's coming general idea but there's a few moments in here i'm like what like where did that come from <laughs> uh this big tease that we talked about a few weeks ago, this major wow. Star Wars tease. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, guys. I am sorry for, for you guys in the UK, but it's – I was oh, – yeah, I, I'm speechless. I don't want to even say anything because I don't want no. to even get close to spoiler because it's like jaw on the floor. Crazy. Nobody like, saw that coming. Nobody's No one. This. Nobody. Yeah, no. guys, no <laughs> one saw this coming. No. <laughs> And if anyone did, they're freaking liars. <laughs> or they're Jedi's. <laughs> yeah. Or they're yeah. Dave Filoni and John Favreau. <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 a must. Like anyone who hasn't seen it and has access, get out there and see it. Get out there and watch it. 
give Disney Plus a seven-day free trial just for this, and this will hook you and get you at least the $7 a month, the very minimal seven – what is that, a coffee now? I don't know. I don't drink yeah. coffee, but it, it's it's unbelievable how cheap this is and how good this is. It, it really shows through here. And I got to give a shout-out. It's funny that, that how things work out here. Uh, our man Chris that just won the uh, the coin here, he tweeted me maybe half an hour ago, and I just grabbed his tweets here and threw them up. They're spoiler-free, guys, but uh, they read. And this is coming from someone who's admittedly not a huge Star Wars fan. Oh, my God, I just finished Episode One and loved every minute of it. I'm not a super hardcore Star Wars fan, but I do go and watch every movie, and I have to say this might be my favorite thing of Star Wars. It completely changed my view on it. I was disappointed with The Last Jedi only because I wanted to see Luke get the time to shine after being gone for so long from the movies, but this restored my faith. So this is from Chris Cohello, who just won the coin, Chris Cohello TV, tweeted at me here, there's someone that is not a Star Wars fan. So you guys are listening to this podcast because you're Marvel DC fans. There's your your perspective. I know he's got a YouTube channel. He's really big into anime and all that, but there you go. There's there's a a very uh, objective from the periphery opinion and that that's the mandalorian that that sums it up for me there Mm -hmm. is that you've got hardcore fans you and me and we've got someone that admittedly isn't a hardcore fan that absolutely loved this and has some sort form of faith restored in his star wars fandom which is pretty cool to hear it's really cool it's it's kind of almost seemed like that was kind of, the, kind of the game plan or at least what Disney wanted, you know, coming out with uh, a TV series based off of the Star Wars property is that we can get the fans that don't necessarily want to go to the movies or have kind of lost interest in the movies, whether it's during the prequels or the sequel trilogy, this is kind of the saving grace to get everybody back on board because it's always going to please the hardcore sweaties like us and it's also going to gravitate the new audience towards watching this, much like a Game of Thrones kind of experience. So. Yes. Um, I think that's exactly what Disney wanted to achieve, and it sounds like that's what they're getting. Yeah, so, for yeah. sure. I had a lot of friends, people at work. This yeah. felt like not quite The Force Awakens, but I know when those people start coming and talk to me about things mm-hmm. that there's hype behind it, there's momentum, and there's a lot of joy and really a want to get immersed into this universe. Yeah. And when I hear that, yeah, for me, bring on episode two here and bring on the spoilers here, guys. This is going to be our spoiler tag. So we will bid farewell to those that have not seen Mandalorian chapter one. We are going to be going into deep spoiler territory from this point on. So we will see you guys next week for the Nerd Room episode 195. But from this point forward, it's Mandalorian chapter one spoiler section. Ooh, spoiler section, I have spoken. Yes. Let's go. I have spoken. (laughs) Really well done, Troy. Way to bring it around here. So, guys, spoilers from this point forward, and uh, let's get into it, dude. All right. Let's talk about this. Now we're into spoiler section. I really want to hear your more spoilerific, high-level thoughts Mm -hmm. on The Mandalorian here before we break this down. We're going to break this down in much more of a similar fashion that we do our movies. We're going to kind of go through this a bit chronologically and touch on some of the main character moments and some of the big reveals as well as some of the plot points in here uh, that we see in the first chapter here, this first 45 or 40 minutes or so. But man, like for me, before I get your thoughts, yeah, in parts, this this felt like a TV show to me. Yeah. Um, there's very cinematic moments, but there's very yes. TV moments. I feel that you can tell that they have time here. They're much more liberal with their their cuts and how they're they're shooting the this 
We got a lot more of these, you know, wide landscapes, these establishing shots, ships landing, you know, yep. waiting for things, you know, when he's waiting for the blurb, when he's riding them. You know, the pace for me is up and down a bit, you mm-hmm. know, where films are very economic sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. I will say. <laughs> very economic <laughs> with the time that they have on the screen. And so yeah. every shot matters. This yeah. takes a lot of time to just zoom back. That's, to me, what feels like the TV part of it. Right. And you know what? See, you saying that goes back to what I was mentioning before in our uh, non-spoiler with Dave Filoni kind of showing his hand when it comes to directing animated, even TV to film. Because I felt like it was kind of like a live action Rebels. So we're yeah. getting scenes of him, you know, learning how to ride whatever that druid or whatever it was called. Or whatever it's called. Yeah, the blurb. Yeah, so you kind of see him going through that. Whereas if this was a movie, you wouldn't really see no, something like that. Exactly. You know what I mean? And if you did, it'd probably be in the middle of the film. Or even if so, it'd probably be something that was almost like laughed at. It'd almost be something like um, Last Jedi when we're seeing Rey kind of get trained by Luke and it's kind of like funny and off. Yeah. You kind of zoom in and think that doesn't belong there. It's kind of something like this in a TV series. So that's what I mean when it comes to Dave Filoni. I think that's going to be stuff we're going to see him kind of getting stronger at. Uh, maybe someone else like a bride. What was it? Dallas, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah. Bryce Dallas. Taika Waititi maybe even. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be a little stronger, a little tighter, but, yeah. um, yeah, yeah. I agree with you on that. Yeah. Cause sure. that was my, my only fear about the pace being up and down is that, like you said, it booms open here. Yeah. And then it kind of lulls a bit in the, in the early part. And it, it had me a little worried on the pacing here Yeah, because it does do a lot of exposition in certain parts, but then there's other parts where, it spends a good couple minutes showing you exactly yeah. what's going on, right? And in some of those moments are required, even when we get talking about the blurb here, is that, that that's a good two-minute scene there. Yeah. Where in a movie, you wouldn't even blink. They would just hop on and ride it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, where they're taking the time to maybe develop the character a bit. But I appreciate some of those slower moments because it got me familiar with Pedro Pascal mm-hmm. and – his character of the Mandalorian, because I feel with John Favreau and we've mentioned this before about him directing Iron Man and trying to really show emotion mm-hmm. and show a range in feelings and reactions while wearing a mask is very difficult. So you yeah. need those moments with the character where it's not quick cuts and all that, where yeah. you can get a feel for how he's reacting to things. Cause I felt by the end of my second viewing, at least that his reactions to things, I'm reading sadness, I'm reading anger, I'm reading seriousness, I'm reading, even in some moments, kind of a big question, you know, when he's with IG-88 and all that. Yeah. So I'm getting that, but that's all in the body language that he's using. Yeah. And you need some of that extended time to get a feel for Mm -hmm. that, because I think that's something that's going to be developed through the entirety of the show, because we don't have his face. Yes. And that's the same thing that they run into with Iron Man. Why they do the heads-up display is because you need Downey's face. You need him reacting. For sure. And that's the difficult part about here is having a masked character, you don't get that full appreciation for the character acting. It has to be all through movements. Yeah. Head tilts, all this. And so I get a good feel in this episode for that, though. That's one thing I will, will credit on with the pace slowing down is it gives us time to consume that and get on board with Pedro Pascal, really. Definitely. And, you know, going with his performance, not even his performance, I think it's the direction of the Mandalorian. I was I was a little confused and I might be the only one here, but, you know, 
the film, I was going to say the film, the show starts off very strong with this character being a very, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, yes. Judge Dredd, you know, the, the latest movie, uh, where it's like this bounty hunter who's really on, um, very confident in his skill set. And then as we go later on into the show, granted the, you know, the stakes are a little bit higher, but I see him struggling a little bit more and he's, he's a little more chatty, he's a little more nervous. And I kind of felt disjointed between the character that they established at the beginning of the series or the yeah. show and towards the end felt a little different. So I don't know if they're going to, I don't know, I don't know if they're going to clean that up a little bit or if the character we saw at the end of the show is more of what he really is as opposed to maybe he's kind of putting on more of a front at the beginning uh, yeah. Kind of trying to, you know, kind of be a little bit more of a Boba Fett. I'm not too sure, but I mean, it's the first episode, so it's kind of hard to uh, to judge. Did you pick up on any of that at all? Yeah. Or? Now that you say it, he's very, very stoic and very cold yeah. at the start, yeah. and I like him better at the end of the episode, right. where yeah. he's a bit more interactive, where he had that brief chemistry with IG yeah. Eleven, and yeah. the back and forth there, him being a bit more chatty. Yes. Um, as opposed to the very, because it's hard when they're when he's stoic like that. You can't read him, and that's the point. I think maybe they're trying yeah. to get across when he's in bounty hunting mode. Right. You're not supposed to be able to read him. Right. Because he walks into that bar and no one knows what he's gonna do. Yeah. But when he's at the the battle at the end, you're right. He's a bit more erratic, and he's using more of that that body language to communicate. Right. And I find even some of the funnier moments with IG Eleven is when they're talking about opening the, the blast door there and they both look at the big cannon. Yes. And, but yeah, he feels slightly different, a little bit more relaxed in the role. Yeah. Humanized opposed... almost too. What's that? A little humanized too almost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause they do take you through moments in here where they're trying to humanize him as well. Yeah. Which I do like, I don't, I didn't want it. I didn't know what to really expect with the Mandalorian here, how they're going to develop this character. Were they going to mm-hmm. give you this, you know, stoic character, zero background information, and you're going to see really just small glints of that heart of gold in right. really this stone cold bounty hunter. Mm-hmm. But they've really shone quite a few different lights throughout this first episode as to yeah. how they're going to develop this character. There's some background they give on the Mandalorian. There's some background they give on the Mandalorians, which is crazy. Oh, I did not <laughs> expect that at all. Yeah. No, and this is, and then there's some bigger background in the galaxy, the state of things, the force maybe even. And so yes. that's what I was talking about, this multi-layer storytelling and how organic it is, is that we've got the big-scale galaxy, we've got the Mandos, and then yeah. we've got this personal story of the Mandalorian himself when they're teasing, you know, he was a foundling at once. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is great because I was expecting half of that. Yeah. It, it, it's fantastic that they've been able to seed a lot of really interesting storylines without it being... No, without it knocking us on the head and saying, hey, we're going to talk about this later. We're going to do this later. We're going to tease this. Yeah. Oh, remember, we're still in Star Wars here. Because even the organic references that they use here, they've got the uh, they got little Jabba's little monkey guy, lizard, Qualking Monkey Lizard or whatever it is. He's in oh, there. He's getting yeah, roasted yeah, yeah. at one point. they got the eyeball that's coming out. I love that. Yeah, yeah. they've got that, that little alien dude at the very start in the when he's in the snow that's doing the talking and the flute blowing for the for the of speeders. Course. Yeah. He's from A yeah. New Hope. And so to me, that felt even more organic than Rogue One. Yeah. You know where they did the, the, the big framing shot on the blue milk in Rogue One and then they had Pundababa, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. And those ones felt like big knocks in the head. These felt like, yeah, this is just part of the universe. Exactly. Which I yeah. really liked. I love that. And, you know, and it's so refreshing just to go back to having aliens. Like yes. there's aliens scattered throughout the whole um, episode, which I thought was great. And the practical effects, I think you mentioned that before, is 
fantastic and so welcomed again in oh, yeah. Star Wars. I know we've had a little bit of it in the in the movies, but this just felt straight, you know, uh, New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, sure. Jabba's Palace. It was great. Well, yeah, just, yeah. I thought it's fantastic. Cantina, yeah. I'm so happy they went uh, with, with all practical on this. Yeah. There's a few, I would say there's a few chinks in the CGI, mm-hmm. specifically in some of the framing ship shots. Yeah, that I can see, and then when he's when they have the carbonite and they're pushing them out, yeah, you can kind of see through that a little bit, and that's being extremely nitpicky, guys. Yeah, um, did not take away from any of it at all. But when you get to the practical stuff, it's it's really well done, and it, so it just good. feels Star Wars. And I agree, so many aliens in this thing, yeah. and the world just feels perfect. The aesthetic, like I said in the spoiler free section, the aesthetic of it mm-hmm. is beautiful. The, the really set is. design, the dressing, the background characters, that it's so cinematic. There is not a dime that wasn't spent on this, man. Favreau spent all $100 million on this bad boy <laughs> because you can see it in the set design. And the really attention could. to detail is insane. <laughs> Absolutely insane. So I can really appreciate everything that they're putting together here. And the score for me, you know, mm-hmm. I to me, the, the one thing with the score... I caught myself halfway through the episode and said, I haven't really heard the score. Yeah. Which is yeah. a little odd for, for me and especially for a Star Wars film. And then yeah. once I started paying attention to it and once I caught it in the second viewing and into the mm-hmm. third viewing, it works for me sometimes and other times it doesn't. Um, yeah. It's something I'm looking to, to see develop a bit more as we go into episode two and three and so on. It's to see what the score does because it's a little different, right? You got some, I don't know if it's synthesized a little bit. Or yeah. it's a mixture of electronic and something that we're a bit more familiar with. It, right. Yeah, you have this like beautiful aesthetic that's very Star Wars, and then the score is just a little different. I think it will grow on us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something I'll let pass here in the first episode, or something maybe I just got to get used to. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not to me, it's not at a detriment to it at all. But it's yeah. something that you know we're always talking about the score and how it's even a character in now MCU films. It's a character for sure in Star Wars. It yeah. just didn't feel quite like that same thing. And again, this is a first episode, so just kind of a high-level observation on the score there for me. Yeah, I'm right there with you with the score. It was 50-50, you know, especially I had high expectations for the composer because he's done, you know, Black Panther and mm-hmm. he did Creed uh, 2, I think. Um, and he's worked with Childish Gambino. And um, I got to say the score was kind of jerky for me, um, especially, you know, coming off of Rebels. That score is fantastic. Oh, it's, it's insane. <laughs> insane right it's 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 so good so well done whereas here was weird yeah you're right there's there's some weird like electronic stuff kind of going on at some points some points i thought there was like an engine that was going it was like chipping along and it lasted pretty long yeah um but then there's some moments that were really good so i i'd like to see where they're going to go with this i think they're, they're trying to find their footing with tv live action mm-hmm. for the score because again it is different than animated um but yeah, that that was kind of a weaker point yeah. for me. Yeah, and they're finding their probably. footing here. You know, yeah, I'll provide excuses for this all day <laughs> because of how much I liked it. But I feel that they're finding their footing in this because to me, some of the brighter points in the score is when he hops on that big gun turret thing at the end. Yeah, the score swells there, and it is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it's funny you say the composer that he's done Black Panther and that yeah. it felt like more of a Marvel score, definitely to me than a Star Wars score. It really did, yeah. When I sat back and actually listened to it in episode mm-hmm. or my second and third viewings, um, so yeah, let's see how this progresses. And again, it just—it's kind of a contrast because everything feels so familiar aesthetically and visually. 
Yeah. And then the score feels different, which is good. That's what we want out of this. We want different. Yes. Um, so I don't, I don't want, you know, the, the big swells and all that to make us feel like it, it, we're right in there. I, I Let's try something different. I, I'm, I'm encouraging this. Uh, but it is something that I feel that they have to find their footing on a little bit more as we progress into, into further episodes. But let's get into some of the plot, some of the details here now. Now, this show, like we've known for, for quite a while now, it happens, you know, several years, five to seven years, whatever it is, after the fall of the Empire. And we have this unnamed bounty hunter, Pedro Pascal's character here. Um, going around and uh, and collecting all some bounties here at the start. Mm-hmm. It is a it is a cold hard open, literally cold open, <laughs> and it is freaking hard. I I love this opening. We've seen most of this or a good chunk of this in the first few trailers. Yeah. Um. But yeah, this this cold open here, showing and demonstrating what the Mandalorian is and how his skill set works, really really hot and really yeah. well done. It, it was so cool. I mean, you know, I got to start with the very opening the beginning of the show uh you talk about different it was not a crawl by any means but the way the disney plus show starts with star wars and you get like the, the sequence oh, of yeah. kylo ren's face to vader's to c3 that's that is cool oh yeah <laughs> i totally forgot about that i mentioned that to my wife when we watched i watched it with her the second go around and i was like this is really cool this is like the first disney stamp yeah on yeah. this title card because even star wars is is different right different yeah. The, the title itself so yeah pretty crazy it's, it's so cool so it sets that tone off the jump and um you know yeah it starts off great because it takes it back to like the core essential like you know when you think of like star wars or new hope you think of the cantina you think of the bar um yes. you think of aliens and you think of a, a tussle you know a fight going down and it gives you all of that so fast and um that tone that the mandalorian sets i'm a sucker for like a, like a badass kind of um anti-villain or anti-heroes so i i like what they set here i love the fact that we have an alien you know the only thing i could have said is if we had this alien maybe subtitles could have been a little bit better but that's nitpicking but i do like to have a little bit of that subtitle stuff going on with some of the aliens not speaking um english yes yeah. <laughs> and to be honest with you i'm right yeah. there with you and this is a comment i'm going to pass on from my wife also because her <laughs> and i had the very similar the small nitpick here the blue alien yeah I would have preferred if he didn't speak English. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because you have this like really crazy looking alien, like the prosthetics and the, the makeup and all, it looks fantastic on it. Yeah. And then you got this almost goofy dude Yeah. playing this role. To me, you have this alien that looks incredibly foreign and then you have the dialogue that is not at all. Yeah. And it kind of makes you step. But first thing my wife said was that's poor casting. <laughs> Like and I, I did and I don't disagree because it just yeah. it pulled me out a little bit because yeah. the way he started talking and he's kind of going on about taking a dump and all this stuff and yeah. and that's fine but the delivery of it all was just really weird it was almost yeah. like the, I don't know who the actor is but it's almost like they hired like some late night talk show host <laughs> because he really likes Star Wars to fill in this role and he's kind of just tossing out really weird lines and yeah really hamming it up where you have the Mandalorian who's giving almost nothing off. Yep. And you got this guy just in the background chewing up the scenery. Very animated. Yeah. Kind of out of place. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. kind of no, felt like, um, what's the pig guy or whatever that's always with Hondo in, uh, Oh, in rebels. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of felt uh, like one of those type of characters. Yeah, definitely. Or it's just definitely. like, this is really weird and out of place. Yeah. And, yeah uh, but then he, then he carbonate freezes them and it's all good. Which is great. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about when we get into the Razor Crest and all that? The ship looks great. I yeah. love the look of it there. 
And we get this sea monster scene as they've kind of floated out on the speeder jets. And yeah. we get another, you know, big hitting, big monster scene. Again, this is where it feels like the prequel trilogy is to me. Yeah. And you're talking episode one. You're talking episode yep. two where you're getting these big, massive sea creatures. Yeah, we saw this in the OT, but kind of more of the CGI-like sea creatures that are doing these big, huge things, attacking ships. I sure. like this. This is, to me, where you're bridging things across, and it's cool just to see the galaxy, different animals or different creatures, beasts, whatever. That's what Star Wars yeah. is about. Yeah, no, it's cool to see these, these ginormous monsters. Um, much like, you know, was it uh, Naboo or the Gungan yeah. territory, you yeah. know, underwater? Exactly. Like, yeah, you, you're getting these big monsters, and then they throw at you, like, Luke's, like, speeder. Like, you know, it's a kind of like a shadow, a callback to Luke's speeder. It's not actually Luke's, but it's really cool to see that kind of all come to connected. And, and like yeah. you mentioned, like, it's really bridging the gap between the prequel look and the OT look. And it, it feels it feels organic. So I liked what they did there. And I thought that was probably one of the better parts of the CGI um, early yeah. on there. Definitely. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Short of the IG-88, which is where they spent all their money. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, in that first episode here. Um, yeah. But once he gets off here and he's got, his, uh, he's got his bounties, he ends up going to the guild, as they're called, the leader, Grief Karga. This yeah. is Carl Weathers. Um, who looks like he's the guy that's kind of running the guild to some capacity here. And the Mandalorian meets with him. This is when we get to really hear his voice for the first time, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, The delivery from Pedro Pascal, when I start to get his interaction a little bit here, um, I love Carl Weathers in this role. Yeah, I I think he does great. He delivers the lines well. He fits that that role. Um, You're in another bar here. I, I, the one I thought was really funny is when he hands him the Imperial credits and then he hands him like the, the Mon Calamari goopy yeah. type of coin. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. I love that callback. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was great. Um, now, what really kind of – this is the, the catalyst moment for, for the Mandalorian here where Karga gives him an address, a bounty, a high-prized bounty here um, from someone – from a private uh, client – and he takes this up. But what he does as he's walking towards here, he's walking through the city. I freaking love this. Oh, yeah. Not only the swagger and the strut of the yeah. Mandalorian, but also everything that's going on around. We talked about the aesthetic before. This yeah. is one of the, the establishing scenes here, which really, really made me appreciate the effort and the detail that they put into this. Him mm-hmm. walking around here. And then you get that little ball thing and all that from from Jabba's palace. Yeah, oh, that that was great. I mean, honestly, they kind of had a look, a very cinematic look that you could have just started the whole show off with that and just had the crawl kind of going along. It, it looked fantastic, and um, yeah, man, again taking it home to Star Wars, very um, uh, Return of the Jedi look kind of actually yes, going on there. It yeah. did. It had that for sure. And now we get to the client. Um, yeah. Opinion here on the client. Mm-hmm. I, I get that he's likely some remnant imperial leader of some sort. He's got kind of this b- b- this medal on his chest. He's got mm-hmm. this uh, Beskar stuff that's got the Imperial Signia on it. He's got stormtroopers, which are great to see. The real yeah. dirty stormtroopers mm-hmm. um, as bodyguards here. Are you getting that same vibe that he's – because he gives off this one line. He spouts this one line where he's talking about um, bringing the, the natural order of things back. You know, he gives, he's talking about the Mandalorians coming back, but it seems to me he's implying that the natural order of things is having the empire back. 
Right. Um, and he's working towards that. So I'm looking forward to this again is another tease that they've put out there is what's happened to the Empire five, seven years out mm. from the fall, from Return of the Jedi. Yeah. And this tease here, I, I really, really like. Yeah, no, it, it's pretty cool. It's, it's interesting to see the stormtroopers like this because, I mean, we've seen stormtroopers in battle and rugged. But they've been on top. But here they're at the bottom. Yeah. And it's it's a different outlook, man, to see them down. I, there's a couple of them. I, I was interested in that other character that popped up who was very – Oh, the doctor. Had the Krennic kind of look going on. The doctor. Yeah. 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 That, that's yeah. – it's interesting because I didn't really catch on to, to him. The second mm-hmm. viewing, you appreciate him more mm-hmm. because knowing what the big tease is at the end. Yes. Because he's panicking about having him alive for some reason. Right. Right? The, the bounty. Uh, yeah. or the uh what do you call it the um the target they want mm-hmm. it alive and he's mm-hmm. very very adamant on that where this leader this imperial leader of sorts doesn't seem too fussed he either wants it destroyed or he wants it back here one or the yeah. other there's no in uh-huh. between for him mm-hmm. um which is very interesting and this is i guess one of the scenes where we get more exposition than we do they spend a lot of time in, in most of the other scenes showing what's going on and there's a lot here about about chain commands and I didn't catch actually on the first viewing that he said the age of mm-hmm. the target being 50 years old. Uh-huh. That flew over my head. And I can Completely. be honest with you, when we got to the last scene there before the reveal, I was thinking to myself, oh, crap. It's going to be a baby. And we have to spend six episodes, eight episodes with him trucking around a child, which to me, I understand why they do it. They're trying to bridge a gap and bring a child's perspective into it. a child sees a child they're happier but to me that has a tendency to weigh down things when you bring a kid into it i always felt like that with the walking dead and all this where they mm-hmm. bring a baby into it is that it's to me it's harder to progress the story when you've got that i know that you know humanizing a bit but if i had caught this 50 year old thing i probably wouldn't have had that reaction <laughs> um did you catch that first time around um the age no but i um i think i heard from before that he's basically to be protecting some sort of child that's yeah so that's, that's where kind it, of always spoiled yeah. me but i was kind of just like ah, oh, like yeah like you we've seen that we've seen like the terminator you're looking out for the young kid we've seen cable you know in the comics you know watching out for for summer hope or hope summers but here i was like okay it's just gonna be that whatever but what they pulled off, and like you mentioned, like it's crucial to pay attention to the fifty years. Yes, <laughs> that is that is something else. But you know, I'm gonna put a pin on it for a second. But going back to fifty years, how old do you think the Mandalorian is? Um, I would say probably late thirties, early forties. See, that's what I would think. But <clears throat> we got flashbacks of the character. There's little quick flash flashbacks yeah. of him in prequel era. The prequel era is obviously about fifty years past. Yeah, so that's kind of kind of odd. So is that what it's flashing back to? We'll get into the Mandalorian history here in a second, but yeah. is yeah. that what it's flashing back to? You figure is I guess it's because they call it the Purge, right? Yeah, which would be is it the Jedi three? Purge? That's what I figure because be the end of Episode Three, or um, yeah, because that would basically be Charles Soule's run. Yeah, because be I'm wondering because I guess what I was curious about was. When they say the purge, was it the purge of the Jedi she's referring to, or the purge of the Mandalorian? But if it was the purge of the Mandalorian, wasn't that even earlier then? Well, I guess you got all these remnants in Rebels, right? Right. Yeah, with Tarvisla and all that stuff. Yeah, going on. Yeah, and the kind of you still have some of the like the the Finn Rouse house and all this stuff. Um, okay. So I don't know if there's a period in time where the Empire purged 
the Mandalorians as they saw them as a potential threat, right? Because we see that explored yeah. in Rebels. That's right with Sabine and all that. Yeah, and it's Filoni's wheelhouse yeah. really telling that story because that's the story that, admittedly, I'm not super familiar with the Mandalorian history, and a lot of that's been wiped out as new canon. Yeah. And really the only place it's been explored in any detail is in Rebels in the back yeah. half of a couple of those last two seasons. Right. And so I'm wondering if it's that, like, is there, and I think we'll get that explored, but they weren't, they said the the great purge or the purge, but mm-hmm. not, they weren't specific about the Jedi purge. Jedi purge. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Because you also see the, the super battle droid or the battle droid too, right? Which is, which is prequel era. Yeah. But then again, it could just be an older model that's been kicking around. Yeah, exactly. So, well, we did, <laughs> and we do see that in, uh, in the books there, the, uh, aftermath books. Bones or was it your, yeah, Bones. Yeah. Bones, so, bones, yeah. Yeah, the B one huh. battle droid, but yeah, interesting. So yeah. Um, yeah, let's let's talk about the uh, the Mandalorian history here. This is something that really took me by surprise. Yeah, I assumed walking into this that this was going to be a lone gunman type of of TV series where it's questioned: is he actually a Mandalorian? Is he not? You know, Boba Fett, I don't think is a proper Mandalorian. No, um, and so I I was really thinking that that's the direction they're going to go with all this. And maybe we get a tease. Oh, maybe he is a Mandalorian. But they start to go really deep here into the Mandalorian history, not only with this Beskar, which he gets from this former Imperial supporter or officer, whatever you want to call it. Um, And it's something that's actually shouted out at the first bar scene too. Um, Is his armor actually real? Mm, And then we get this whole scene after he's got this Beskar him going into what I presume is his tribe's hideout and you've got kids and you've got other Mandalorians in there. We get very faint looks at helmets. We've got the, um, I don't know what you'd call her. The, the um, blacksmith almost. Yeah. Or? Blacksmith. Yeah. It's a good, mm-hmm. the, the armor, the blacksmith, whatever you get to see her mask right up yeah. front there. But it's really cool that Filoni, I would say had a pretty heavy influence here at establishing the fact that, we're going to get a dive and a real insight into Mandalorian history in live action, which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Completely took me by surprise. Were you the same way? Oh, yeah. I had no idea, you know, because we see him walking down that tunnel and I see another helmet that looks similar to his. I was like, oh, we're going in. Okay. And then we see more of them come out the woodwork. And I was like, wow, this is cool. Like, this is this is unseen. I mean, next to Rebels. But um these guys were all very distinctive and had their own kind of Mandalorian flavor going on. So um, something cool, something new, but again, still very Star Wars. Exactly. Yeah. Right down that path here. And we've got a really cool scene here. And this is again, establishing not only the Mandalorian end, but the personal end. And we've kind of discussed here the flashbacks. He calls himself that he used to be a foundling at some point, which I'm assuming is a young uh, Mandalorian of some sort. Guessing so. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get some insight into potentially how his armor is going to change for the series, which is really cool. Yeah. Uh, he's got this best car, this Mandalorian ore of some sort, I guess is pretty resistant to lightsabers and blasters and all that. Mm-hmm. And he gets a new pauldron and we know through seeing some of uh, the changes in the trailers that he does, his armor does change, gets more and more silver yeah. as you go through the, the episode or through the series here, which is definitely leaning on this, which is, I think is really cool. You're going to see his armor. And then they make a reference to his um, insignia, I think. Yeah. That they're talking about. So him choosing that. So again, this is building on the lore of the Mandalorian 
right. which is really cool that I that I really enjoy and really appreciated that they're sneaking all this little stuff in, which is absolutely incredible, which may float over the head of a lot of people, but for us, especially on the hardcore end of things, yeah, I, I love and appreciate what they're doing here. Well, and that's what you get when you have uh, Filoni and Favreau working together. These guys are going to get, I mean, Favreau's done the MCU, so he knows all about giving you Easter eggs and nuggets. And then you have Filoni, who's a master next to George, who knows everything there is about this universe of Star Wars, who's going to, you know, give you a little bit of fan service. So (laughs) what more can you ask for? It's great stuff. Absolutely nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Now we shift gears here as we move away from some of this Mandalorian background and we travel back off world. As he moves to find the bounty, the the target here that he's been sent on. And he lands, I guess, on this desert planet, another desert planet here, which is, again, very familiar. And he meets a native here, you know, as he's attacked by these blurg things, um, which are interesting design. And we get this this character, Nick Nolte's character, um, this pig-faced man. I don't know if it's an Ugnaught or not, but I love the look of it and the prosthetics are oh. unbelievable like it's nick nolte for sure oh yeah but i don't like he seems really short yeah i don't know what they've done and how they've made the mouth move the way it does oh but man. it's so good uh yeah the prosthetics man the um practical effects this is this is so good what they've done with this character he has a bit of the uh the frank oz yoda oh yeah in some ways they're going on too and it's very um you know, mentorish to the Mandalorian yes. in some ways, which I love. And, you know, just when he basically says, you know, your people used to ride so-and-so monsters or aliens from way yeah. back, you can ride this thing. And I just, I, yeah. And I just love that there's this history of the Mandalorians that's built up in this universe even more because you know, up until now, we haven't really explored the Mandalorians, you know, like you mentioned stuff from the Knights of the Old Republic has been wiped out of Canon. So for us to go live action and we're talking about it just makes it that much better juicier so um i can't wait to see more of this character i love the chemistry between the two of them too mm-hmm. and you got to give it up to pedro pascal you know acting here with a shield over his face basically yeah and you can you can get the vibes you can get what's going on between the two it's incredible stuff yeah and you've got nick nolte behind this all this prosthetics and yeah you can yeah. feel it i love yeah. the i have spoken oh it's so good it's a man. hashtag too and you get the little pigman yeah. face if you use it oh uh, love it just <laughs> brilliant and i agree with you it's got that real mentor vibe because my question was for you is do you think we're gonna see this character again i sure as heck hope so i i, I think we will i mean because I, I i might be wrong here but i did i thought he was one of those pig things that uh, was in rebels and i know feloni loves those kind of characters so yeah but then again, this is only this is only episode Filoni's directing, so maybe he could only appear in this one. But I'm sure he's had a lot of influence over the story here, That's and true. I think they've. You're right; they've established him as a mentor, someone that might help bring insight to not only Mandalorian, but he kind of guides him here in the early end. And yeah. when they're doing this blurg thing, and yeah. he's talking about no, you have to ride it, and then he has this real weird calming moment, mm-hmm. which. If it wasn't a Mandalorian, you'd say that they had some sort of relationship to the Force. <laughs> right? Much like Ezra with exactly. like the stuff, right? Which was his kind of calling. Yeah. Yeah. Which, because it's just the way he approaches it, he calms them down. I don't yeah. know what they're tapping into there or what they're mm-hmm. leading or if it's just something that I'm reading way too much into. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's definitely something there. 
but these these burps are kind of cool and it seems like half practical half cgi i couldn't really tell this is another prequel era type thing yeah that i'm getting here and um yeah i, I really enjoy this interaction here and this really leads us to the final battle We've got yes. the Mandalorian sneaking up here on some hideout that this uh, Nick Nolte's character here has led him to, and really given him uh, instructions to 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 get rid of these guys. These are mercenaries; they they just want peace on this planet. And these since these guys arrived, they've had nothing but but fear and and, and war and all this. And so he leads them there, and he ends up teaming up with IG Eleven, who's another member of the guild, sent on a very similar mission. But he's beat the Mandalorian there. And this is IG-11. This is Taika Waititi here. You can hear his voice in the dialogue here. I, I, to be honest with you, this is probably one of my favorite parts. Definitely yeah. the best battle is the two of them teaming up here. The chemistry between the two is extremely palpable from minute one. You've got the CGI on this droid. I couldn't. It's flawless. Flawless. Crazy. Where there's the other nitpicks on a few things. The speeder may be... <clears throat> The, the the razor crest the ship some of the establishing shots yeah you can see through a little bit of that mm-hmm. this is cinematic this is film quality cgi oh this is this was like straight up rogue one yeah basically you know the fight on um jetta almost yes. um his arms going back and forth was so cool like it makes me look at ig88 or 11 a lot more um yeah, I'd be a little more scared of this guy just to see him go at it with his arms. That's a pretty genius way to how to make this guy uh, a badass, basically. So yeah. I appreciate what they did there. I couldn't hear Taika Waititi. Um, oh, no. I, I, I couldn't hear it. But... Uh, I got him for sure. <laughs> yeah, but it's definitely him, obviously. Um, I'm guessing he'll be repaired because I, I don't think you throw out this character in one episode, do you? I don't. That's the thing that was probably the most disappointing thing about the episode is when he <laughs> dropped down at the end. Because yeah. I want – maybe they'll come up across IG-12 or something. I don't know. But I, I want more of this character. And I want yeah. more of their interaction. That's probably, like I said, the thing that, that took me back the most about it is how do you not keep this character and keep this chemistry going? Right. Uh, because it's, it's, it's you've always got a droid paired with a, a character. And that droid is that, that dry, very analytical type of character and then you pair him with the guy that's a bit more roguish, a bit more, you know, going to shoot from the hip, use his heart type thing. Yeah. And it often is a nice juxtaposition of characters. Mm-hmm. And I really like that. Maybe we'll get some of that with Cara Dune as she re-enter, or she oh. enters into the, the show here. Her absence here, to me, um, it wasn't, I guess it wasn't really felt. I don't think it was needed in here. And it's mm-hmm. nice that they've drawn that out a little bit. Uh, but the overall battle it's fantastic. It's it's yeah. hard hitting. You've got a lot of blaster shots. You've got a lot of cool moves. He's using his little wrist thing, his scorpion thing, to, yeah. to pull that big turret over. Um, it's a lot of fun, this battle. The back and forth, the little shtick that IG-11 has with the self-destruct. <laughs> it, it was good. It was so well done here. And yeah. you're right. This is when we see the Mandalorian start to really come out of his shell a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, not this like stoic guy. He's actually interacting quite well. With IG-88, the back and forth is really good. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's good. This is when, you know, we get a little bit more of, um, you know, they go away from the Batman and they give you a little bit more of, um, well, a chattier character. I'm not going to say Iron Man, but just a little more more of a chattier character who's not too, too sure of himself. But it's it's cool. I'm right there with you. I'd love to see the whole, um, like, harpoon 
kind of thing going on there. His his grappling hook, how he's using that. He's, you know, he's basically showing you the whole catalog of some of the Boba Fett stuff we've seen in the past. So that's pretty cool that we got, or even Django Fett too. So um, that was great, and I like to see him working with IG Eleven there. Um, the special effects at this point are, are great. Oh. The blaster fires look fantastic. Again, like straight out of the Rogue One kind of stuff going on there. And um, man, it all just leads up to that big reveal. Cool. Just... Let's let's talk about this reveal. Cool. So eventually, the two of them make their way, and they have the epic entrance shot, and they've got this little working fob thing and all that, which we're going to talk about in a second, and we get to this container and this is like I said before to the point where I'm like, Oh man, it's a baby. It's a baby. Come on. (laughs) And this is the reveal that's going to shake the foundation of star Wars as was promised. Yep. This reveal of a species that's the same as Yoda, Mm -hmm. a high valued target. What did you think of this, man? My jaw was on the floor. Oh, (sighs) Soon as I saw those ears, I was like, "What?" And it keeps panning down. I was like, "Whoa, it's it's a baby Yoda!" Like they're going there because we haven't seen his species again since um, uh, Nice Little Republic. Well, I've never seen it as a yellow one. Yeah, and I think in Episode One there's a female one called That's Yaddle. Right. I believe is the name. That's right. And what color was that one? I think she's green. Green as well. Yeah. yeah. See, the one in Old Republic was yellow. So, but maybe even orange. But yeah, I was just like blown away with what they're going but the thing is i thought you know thinking about it a little bit later on i'm like well what's the big deal about just another species there must be plenty of these things out here so is it is this thing force welding is this a, a clone of yoda what's going on like what's the big deal about this 50 year old uh whatever species what's what's the big deal when you think about that you too know? like 50 years old is significant because that was alive Huge. during the prequels exactly yeah so my my assumption, I think the leap that they're asking the audience to make there is when you see Yoda, you assume force wielding and yeah. you look at the empire, or the empire remnants are chasing it. And the Mandalorian has some inherent connection to it, mm-hmm. which makes him assassinate IG 11, as opposed to this baby Yoda or this baby species equivalent to Yoda. Yeah. That's the leap I think they're asking you to make is that this right. high-value target is force-wielding. But the 50-years-old thing is crazy. Like, I get it. Like, it's cool that it's a baby, but yeah. it's 50 years old. Yeah. And these things can live for centuries. We know that. Yeah. From Yoda. Um, but I'm super intrigued. Like, that's a huge hook for episode awesome. two and beyond. Well, yeah. and everything. Because, I mean, if you have to think about it, too, this this little Yoda is is probably present in Rise of Skywalker. It's exactly. probably up there. It, yeah. You know, like that, that blows my, and that he'd probably be what, 30 years later, so maybe about 80. Yeah. I don't know. So it's like in his little teens. I, yeah. I, I don't know, but, um, ah, I, I'm, ah, I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm really quick to pull the trigger on clone anything. I'm like, I'm <laughs> like, that's a razor clone. And now I'm thinking, you know, Palpatine's going to be a clone. And I'm thinking this guy here is a clone. Um, there's something special about that 50 year gap. That's that, that's that prequel era, obviously. Yeah. So, um, yeah, because I just don't see any reason why you'd be protective or going crazy about this objective here, other than the fact that it's force welding yeah. or force sensitive at least. Which is a yeah. which is a cool tie. It's not this yeah. super obvious child that's force sensitive. You know, yeah. we've been down that route several times, and that was even teased in the Last Jedi. I think this is cool. This yeah, is, it may be something that we get a reveal that Yoda's species is all of them are, are force sensitive. 
right and there's something special yeah. about them and the reason they're that way yeah so and yeah. they might be the population of them might be so few yeah that like it's like the birth of a panda or something right right <laughs> you know there's there's like very few that are alive in the world and these things are coveted and now knowing that they're force wheeling or i guess maybe potentially revealing that it is that that's your significance factor which oh i can't wait absolutely can't wait this this show to me massive hooks into yeah. me i can't wait for friday which is the next episode and then every other friday after that or oh, then man. every friday after that i should say yeah it, it's there man this does this give you the hooks oh it gives me the hooks 100 percent um i mean it's already taking my money so <laughs> <laughs> and, and and it keep will it will keep going on um uh one last thing before i move off the yoda thing so i'm just blown away do you think obviously going back 50 years palpatine knew about this individual well, it's going to be interesting because you remember the Charles Soule stuff when we had those lists? Yeah. Force-sensitive children? Yeah. Yeah. That could be one. I am sh- i don't know if this show is going to go down the path where we have a list mm. and we're going to see this creature, but are there other for- – like is that these high – like or is there a, a bounty out, these high-priced bounties on force-sensitive creatures? Like right. is that going to be what the first season is about is chasing that? Mm. Um, so that's been teased in the comics. Yeah. Filoni's familiar with the forest and familiar with all this stuff. So yeah, it can go anywhere. I think yeah, that, man. that, that might be the threat. I don't know if this particular creature is going to be present all the way through the season mm-hmm. and maybe it's more of a one or two off. We're going to see him definitely in the second episode. Yeah. We may get some answers if there's some list out there. Mm-hmm. and people are chasing them you know this could then get you down the path of i don't know all kinds of crazy stuff definitely and maybe implications and influence uh maybe not directly on the sequel trilogy right now but yeah. definitely as we get into season two and three there may be some much deeper connections there which is pretty exciting big time yeah. big time ah. awesome so stuff man here oh jeez <laughs> every yeah. every week i am there yeah. Um, last thing before we close it out here, we've got a question from our boy, Darth. I wanted to leave this to the end because I wanted to get through everything here. Now, he writes, hey, guys, eagerly awaiting your discussion on The Mandalorian. In short, I loved it with a few nitpicks here and there. They intentionally left us with a lot of questions, and that is sure to be played out, and I cannot wait till episode two comes out Friday. We're right there with you, Darth. Uh, however, there's one aggravating question I have probably that won't be addressed, and that's the bounty hunter tracking fobs. How do these things work? <laughs> this, the, does the said bounty need to have an implant with a chip of swords? Do you just need to input said bounty's name, or does it work more like a canine smelling of one, one's person's personal belongings and sniffing them out? Or maybe it's inputting a sample that bounty's DNA. They clearly have pinpoint accuracy. Could Vader not have just got his hands one of these to find Luke wherever he wanted to. More likely than not, it probably is just a convenient plot device to move the story forward. I won't lose sleep over it. All that, all said and done, I just witnessed a Boba Fett type character kill an IG unit in order to save a baby Yoda. Star Wars <laughs> is back. Yeah, man. Yeah, baby, it is. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well said. Yeah, you Darkly know, for spoken. for the fobs, I think. Your, your last point there about it just being a plot device, a way to, to, to move forward. Because if you really think deep into that, it's how are these fobs tracking? Unless there's some inference that the Empire put tracking devices in everyone at birth mm-hmm. and that everyone is susceptible to being tracked on this fob when you have 
maybe I guess maybe not the chain code isn't I because I still don't know what that is. Um, I don't know. It's it's a good question, and it's something that after I read this then started to bother me. <laughs> <laughs> but you got any thoughts on that one? I honestly don't. I I really don't. Um, I don't know if they'll explore it later on or if they're just gonna kind of give it to you and you just run with it. But I mean. Now it's going to be driving me nuts because once Darth made that connection to the fact that, well, why didn't Vader have one of these things to find Luke or anybody else this whole time, or Jedis even, now I'm like, shoot, what's up with that? So um, I'm going to have to put a pin in it for now and, and see, do a little bit of investigating, but yeah, um, yeah man. Yeah, I guess my only Good thoughts question. on why I couldn't find Luke is that if Luke's born on the Outer Rim or Luke was born in hiding, right? Yeah. Maybe he doesn't have a chip in him. Right, yeah. So everyone going after Empire Day was implanted with yeah, chips, basically planted, and yeah. that brings the question: Why was this this Yoda type creature? Because this would have been born in the prequel era. Why would it yeah. have a chip in it? Right. Maybe it was put in after. Yeah, it does definitely raise a few questions on how these work. Because mm-hmm. he also has the fobs, because he gives them the to Cargill there or whatever um, at the start when he hands in the bounties. So the assumption is is that he was handed those when he went out to get the other bounties, the other four mm-hmm. characters they had frozen in carbonite, those were how he tracked them. Mm-hmm. And so how is he tracking them? Yeah, it's a really good point. And I wish I had a better answer for you, Darth, but I, no. I just don't. But I do like the fact that you're not losing sleep over it because ultimately <laughs> there's way bigger fish to fry in this, in this, in this episode. And, uh, but I do like diving into the details and I kind of really appreciate that. And guys also with Darth here, good, great friend of the show, great friend of ours. Um, go check out, he posted on, and I retweeted it at the Nerdaram. He posted his Black Series collection. Oh. oh, let me tell you, let me tell you, this is really making me think whether I need to open my Black Series collection. And he's got way more figures than I do. He's got almost everything mm-hmm. on point collection. Not only that, but he dips into just about everything in the NECA stuff. It, his collection has it all man sh figure arts yeah. marvel legends the power everything man it's all there check yeah. them out it's on point for sure and with all that troy it's time Damn to it. wrap up this episode it's been a ton of fun breaking down mandalorian yes, and we will we haven't quite decided how we're going to do the next episodes uh, whether we're going to do a final wrap-up or we're going to do them in pairs of two or three maybe um we'll see we'll see how we want to construct this go forward um and just how we get some more mando talk in here because there's gonna be there's gonna be so much to talk about here it's, it's so exciting <laughs> and uh of course we absolutely love this and uh yeah we'll be back next week in some capacity sunjay and or carlos will be here potentially i'm not sure we'll see we'll see how that goes and we'll be back talking all things stars marvel and dc yeah man and if you guys would like to give us your comments your thoughts on the mandalorian you can always email us at the nerdram at gmail.com you can find us on Twitter along with the rest of the Twitter gang and everyone else hunting, not hunting anymore, actually, uh, <laughs> roaming around, talking <laughs> Stars Marvel and DC. And just a reminder, as of Friday, we will be putting up our 2019 Children's Charity Hunt. And we're going to be hoping to, to get some uh, some real fun out of this and uh, make, make a difference in some, in some people's lives here. Uh, so make sure to get into that and just... Just support it. Just support it by a like, a retweet, um, a comment, whatever. It doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be financially. But again, like we said, if you want to do your own hunt and donate, tag us in those pictures between now and December fifteenth, so everyone gets that out uh, before the end of the holiday season here. And also, guys, you know maybe Instagram is going to quiet down a little. Maybe I'll use this time to chronicle some of my older collection bits. But we are always active over there 
at the Nerd RM. You can find also everything that we do on the nerdroom.net as well as starwarscommonwealth.com where you can find everything else in the Star Wars Commonwealth podcast network. Inevitably breaking down the Mandalorian here. So you want a different perspective, slide over there and check that out. And last but not least, we'd like to thank our man Rob Wade for endorsing this podcast over to emotionally14.com. You can find everything that he does over there, including all the other endorsed E14 podcasts. Yes, man, with all that being said, we will return next week. Maybe touch on chapter two just a little bit because we're going to have to kind of pick this thread up a little more. But until then, happy watching Mandalorian chapter two for those that do have access to it. And uh, guys that don't, I guess you're probably not listening to this at this point, but it'll come. It'll come. Not to fear. Um, all right, man. It's, it's late. we got some editing to do here. But cool. nonetheless, we will be back next week. So for the Nerd Room, I'm Tim. I'm Troy. And thank you guys very much for entering the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim, Troy, and Sanjay on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, and Sanjabi. For more content from the Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to the Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you plug in. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find more podcasts from the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Tumbling Saber, Generation X-Wing, Road Squadron Podcast, San Diego Saber's Radio Podcast, Retro Inc., and the Sandcrawler Podcast. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SWCommonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.